right, go ahead and open up your Bibles to Colossians chapter 2. Colossians chapter 2. And before we get started uh, today, I did want to um, say a couple of things. One, I wanted to thank uh, Pastor Gary for giving me the opportunity to preach. Um, In case y'all didn't know, this is like the prime time slot to be a preacher on Sunday morning. And so I just wanted to thank him for giving me that opportunity, especially on Graduate Sunday. Um, There's just, just, oh, there it is. Hey. Really want to thank you. Um, But thank you, Brother Garrett. I do not take this honor lightly, I promise. Uh, I want to thank my family for being here. Thank my wife, uh, because she's, in case you didn't know, she's been battling a lot of health issues. And she uh, came today, so I'm very thankful for that. So I'm just appreciative of her being here. Um, I wanted to let everybody also know that this message is for all of us. It is not just for the graduates. So keep up with me, all right? Um, Take really good notes. I promise this is good stuff. And not because of me, not because of my abilities, not because of my studying. It's because the Holy Spirit is the preacher at this church. And so the Holy Spirit just uses someone like me to give you this message. So, and I've got a lot to say, so I'm just going to apologize now. Um, so listen up, listen, and we'll get through it quick. And also, many of you know me. You know my style. I'm a passionate person. I'm going to get loud. Just preparing you now. If you need to turn something off or whatever. But I'm going to be loud because I'm passionate about this. Because this is not a self-help motivational speech. This is life and death. So I take it a little bit more important than a TED talk. All right? And I'm going to get excited about it. So just come along with me as we get excited about Jesus. So today we're looking at Colossians chapter 2, um, verses 6 through 10. And, and I want to thank Miss Kay for making this lovely uh, bulletin. Didn't she do a great job? She does a great job every week. That's right. Now, I want you to take it, and I want you to put a hashtag with your pen in front of life goals. Just put a little hashtag right there with your pen or pencil. If you don't know what that is, it's the pound symbol, okay? For those who don't know. On social media, they do this to tag things in a post, okay? (laughs) The students are like, duh, and the adults are like, what? So anyway, so the title of the message today is hashtag life goals. Hashtag life goals. The reason I say that is because if you go on Instagram right now, uh, there's currently 7.4 million tags that say hashtag life goals. That's a lot. That was Thursday, so it probably went up since then, okay? But there's uh, 7.4 million, and there's pictures of families and really expensive cars and, and, and destination vacations and a lot of, like, physical physiques. And just a lot, a lot, a lot of stuff. So essentially what they're saying is that my goal in life is to acquire this stuff. To acquire that lifestyle. To acquire that physical body. So, and I want you to think about this. Don't say it out loud. I want you to think about it in your mind. As a Christian, what should our life goals be? What should our life goals be? And that's what we're going to talk about today. Colossians chapter 2 and verse 6. Now, I'm not a guy who has things up on the screen, so you're going to actually have to use your Bibles today, all right? Uh, Colossians chapter 2, verse 6. It says, as you therefore. Now, let's stop right there. 
Because if you've been around with me in the Bible study for like half of a minute, you know that when we come to the word therefore, there's something that we need to figure out why it's there. Like, what's the therefore, therefore? Right? If you're in the middle of Bible study, you need to go back and figure that out and say, well, why does it say therefore? So, essentially, we've learned in Colossians so far that through the knowledge of the gospel and faith in it, Jesus delivers us from the domain of darkness and transfers us to the kingdom of Jesus, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. That Jesus is the image of the invisible God. That's important. Uh, that by him all things were created and that, uh, and that all things were created through him and for him. That Jesus is before all things. In him all things hold together. That, that he is the head of the church and that he is preeminent. Which means he is first in rank. He is first in time and place. He is first in honor. He is chief supreme. That in him the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. That through him we have been reconciled by making peace by the blood of the cross. That through his blood we are reconciled and presented as holy, blameless, and above reproach before God. That in Christ are hidden all the treasure of wisdom and knowledge. So we just learned that in Colossians 1.1 to Colossians 2.5. So that's a lot, right? That's like 18 sermons, okay? Just so you know. I'm not going to go through all those today, I promise. I'm not Ronnie. But, um, but th that's a lot of messages. That that's a lot of knowledge. And when it says that we're presented holy, blameless, and above reproach, I didn't feel holy, blameless, and above reproach this week. Did you? No, I didn't. But because of what Jesus did on the cross, because we are reconciled to the Father through the Son, that we can pre be presented as holy and blameless and above reproach, because when God sees us, he sees Jesus. Amen. Verse 6, Therefore, as you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord. Now, it's really good to stop here, too. And I know you're all like, are you going to get through the verse? I promise we will. But I think it's really important that we stop and remind us that we receive Jesus as a gift. We cannot earn him. We do not earn a right relationship with him. He is a gift to receive. In fact, he is the gift of salvation. He is the gift. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Don't forget that part of the verse because that's real important. Because without the Jesus Christ, there is no eternal life. The eternal life because of and as a result of our relationship with Jesus, being reconciled to God through Jesus Christ is the point. That's the point. And heaven, that's the place we get to worship him. We need a place, right? Let's do it there. We also get to meet Jesus. We get our redeemed bodies. And I'll go over that in just a second. But Jesus is the gift that we receive, not earn. Write this down. He is a gift to receive, not a status to earn. He is a gift to receive and not a status to earn. Continuing on in the verse. Receive Jesus Christ. So walk in him. The word walk means to live. To regulate one's life and to conduct oneself. So it means live in Jesus. Hashtag life goal. 
right? Live in Jesus. And his title as Lord, just a second ago, says, receive Jesus Christ, the Lord. Lord has a lot to do with this. Y'all understand? The Lord has a lot to do. The Bible presents that when you receive Jesus, he is both Savior and Lord. That he saves us from eternal damnation for the punishment of our sin and rebellion against a perfect and holy God. And he is Lord of our lives that he bought with a price. Amen? That when we repent of our sin. Students, what is repentance? Got to look at you. What's repentance? Turning away. That's right. So basically, I'm walking down this path. I'm following sin. I'm following culture. I'm following my way. And then I repent and I do an about face. And now I follow after Jesus. And when I repent, and when I come to that saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, I'm no longer following my way. I'm no longer following sin. I'm no longer following the culture. And now I follow Jesus, the Lord, as preeminent, as before all things, as supreme. You know, we talk all the time about the point of Christianity, don't we? We talk about the point to look and live like Jesus and point people to the gospel. And when we simply trust and obey, y'all know that song? Trust and obey. If we just trust and obey, we live or walk in him and reflect his character in our life. Hashtag life goal. Come on. Verse 7. Rooted and built up in him. Rooted and built up. The word rooted means to strengthen with roots. It is firm. It is thoroughly grounded. And when I read about roots, well, my first thought goes to my grass that's dying. I don't want to talk about it. It's my fault. Um, but, but honestly, when, when I look at the Bible, the first thing I think about is Psalm chapter 1. Y- y'all know that? Are you familiar with that reference? Psalm 1 verses 1 through 3 says... Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the, in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. Now listen to this. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. His delight, his desire, his longing. He takes pleasure in the law of the Lord. And in his law, he meditates day and night. And the word meditate is more than just study. You know what else? The, the word meditate, the, the Greek speaks of speaking. That it's not just studying, but it's speaking. He meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. Did y'all catch that? That when he, when, when he uh, meditates, when he studies, when he speaks the word of God, that he is like a tree, that he is planted by the river. So you might say, well, why are you referring to that to roots? Because the tree is placed next to the stream, Right? Its roots are constantly being fed. They are growing stronger and stronger, causing the tree to produce fruit, to not dry up and die, to withstand the elements. Why? Because of the constant nutrients that's receiving. 
God is telling us that the more we meditate on his word, that we study it and that we speak it, the more word we feed ourselves, the stronger we become. We become thoroughly grounded in his word. And no matter what happens around us or what distractions try to affect our life, we, have, we are firmly rooted and grounded in, in the understanding of his word. And no matter what happens around us or to us, we are firmly planted in him and we are promised, we are promised that our leaf will not wither up. It says built up. Now when it says built up, that makes me think of building, right? And with a building, you need what? A good foundation. You need a good foundation for building. Now I'm not into construction myself, clearly. I mean, my hands have no houses, right? I'm not into construction, and I understand that. But, I, you know, I've watched enough Chip and Joanna, and if there's a problem with a foundation, that's normally bad, right? I watch way too much. I watch way too much. I'll admit, that's, I'm, that's my besetting sin, I guess. But anyways, in all the show, the, the foundation is a huge deal. And that made me think of what Jesus talked about in Matthew 7, Right? Toward the end of his Sermon on the Mount, he gave the Beatitudes, talking about not judging, he's talking about all these things, and then he says at the very end of Matthew 7, he starts to talk about, he tells the crowd that if anyone hears his word and actually does it, if you hear my word and you do it, you're like the man who builds his house on the rock, the sturdy, strong foundation. And that when, when the rains and the floods and the winds come, it stands up to the storm because of the foundation. However, those who, those who hear the word and they don't do anything with it, they just hear it and no application. You are like the man who builds the house in the sand. The same storm comes and his house is completely wiped out. In this situation, it's a matter of application. Doing it. You have to apply the word. If you do what he says, when the storm of life comes, and it will come, just FYI, just because you follow everything Jesus says doesn't mean the storm's not going to come. This is not prosperity gospel. This is not rainbows, unicorns, and cotton candy. This is real life. If you follow Jesus, storms are going to come. And when they come, you can stand against the storm and not fall apart. Not completely get wiped out. Now, he doesn't say that you're not going to get damaged. Did you notice that? It doesn't say a window might not be broken. It doesn't say you might lose some shingles on the roof. It says that you will withstand the storm. Y'all, we're Florida, we're Florida people. We know hurricanes, right? We, and we see the newbies, like when it's, when it's a category one and the newbies all head to lows for the, the plywood, and we're like, seriously? It's a one. Our storm yesterday was stronger than a one, and you're like, really? Call me when it's a four, and then we'll, maybe then we'll think about getting a candle, okay? Like, seriously. But storms are going to come. And if you, and it says that if you are rooted and built up, rooted is to study and speak the word. It speaks of strength. It speaks of prosperity and a not stuff, but an abundant and everlasting life. If you are built up, if you listen and you apply the word, it gives you a solid foundation. And then established in the faith. Oh, that's good. 
Rooted, built up, established. Remember those three. Rooted, built up, established. Established means stable, firm, and sure. Through the meditation and application of his word, our faith grows stronger and stronger and is stable. What that means is that it won't go up and down when the ups and downs of life come up against us. Why? Because our faith isn't based on our circumstances. Our faith is on our chief cornerstone, Jesus. It is sure. It is steady. It is an unwavering faith. The kind of faith that produces action and moves mountains. Established in the faith. As you have been taught. As you have been taught. So the people in, in, in the Colossians, they've been taught the truth. We learn in Colossians chapter 1 that they've been taught the gospel, the true gospel. Nothing added, nothing taken away. And we're going to come back to this in just a second. I've got to get to the, the next verse to come back to this verse, okay? Just keep that in mind, just as you were taught. Okay. Abounding in thanksgiving. Abounding in thanksgiving. Abounding to exceed, to be in excess. Overflowing with gratitude. Overflowing. I heard a pastor say one time that we are all on a continuous spectrum between gratitude and entitlement. I think that's true. And the closer that we get to Jesus, the, the, the more that we look up to the cross and what he's done for us, the more and more grateful you have to be. You didn't do anything to earn that. It's because of his goodness and his, and his love. Not because you earned it. There's thanksgiving and gratitude in that. But then when you find yourself drifting away from his lordship and getting away from his word, that entitlement starts to seep back in, right? That entitlement, I'm do it, I earn him. You see someone else's post on, on Instagram or Facebook and you get angry and jealous. Why did they get a new car and I still have this one? How come they can get a new house? But you get jealous. The, the clothes, the body, the, the perfect skin, the lighting, the likes, the followers. The perfect house and kids. Secret, newsflash, it's all fake. You're getting their highlight reel. If all we watched was the Jaguar highlight reel, we would think they were a Super Bowl team. But then you watch them and they play and you're like, oh no, not another rebuild. <laughs> right? Being a Jaguar fan is humbling. If you went close to Jesus, root for the Jaguars. You're only seeing what they want you to see. They, oh, we're, we're watching. Oh, look at those. Oh, look at the kids. They're all sitting around the table. They're coloring. They have their juice. Everyone looks at hashtag blessed. Right? <laughs> but what you don't see is two minutes later, when the one kid stabbed the other kid in the eye with, the, with a crayon, the other kid jumped over his juice, and then the dog's eating the poop out of the diaper. You don't want that life, do you? Hashtag blessed. Hashtag life goal. Right? But y'all, we have so much to be thankful for, don't we? Let's just get away from the spiritual for just a second look at the physical. We're born in America. Amen. Amen. We have a lot of privileges that a lot of other countries don't have. We're born in the South. Praise God. I can get, I can get sweet 
New York or one of those places. And guess what? There's no state income tax. Praise God. That's enough, right? You live in America where you're allowed to go to church whenever you want. Our neighbors up to the north are having their churches shut down and their pastors are getting arrested in Canada right now because of their tyrannical government. But we won't get that. Anyway, but, but you can do that here. You know that? You can get a job. Amen. Some of y'all are like, shut up. <laughs> you can have a job. You can have a home. You can go down this road right down here and get like every kind of food you can imagine at your disposal. In fact, you can you don't even have to talk to someone. You can type it in your cell phone and they bring it to your house. Are you not thankful? You have family, you have friends, you have a home, you have a car, you have all these things. We have medical. We can, you can walk into an ER and they have to treat you. <laughs> There's so many things to be thankful for. You all have a cell phone. Some of you are on it right now, and I know, I see it. But anyways, now let's get spiritual for just a second, shall we? You are chosen by God. Amen. 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 You are forgiven of every sin you've ever committed, all the sins you're doing right now, and all the ones you're going to do one day. Amen. You have been justified. Students, what does justified mean? It's justified. justified, never sinned. Hallelujah. You are being sanctified, which means you are being set apart by the holy God of this universe. That one day we have the promise that we will be glorified. We're going to have a brand new body. Brother Dan, where's Dan? No more insulin, brother. Ronnie, no more back problems. Never again. Brother Gary, you're going to hold the body head to toe, brother. I'm so thankful for you. Hallelujah! We're getting new bodies. No more sin. No more death. No more calories. Praise the Lord. We have the indwelling Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit lives inside of us. The same power that rose Jesus from the grave is alive in us. We have been reconciled to the Father through Jesus. You might be here today and you might feel, I don't feel loved. Nobody loves me. I've been, I've been mistreated. I've been thrown to the garbage. Nobody can love me. I'm going to tell you right now that the God of this universe, the creator of all things, loves you unconditionally. He loves you to death. That's how much you are loved. We have direct access to God. Did you know that? That when Jesus died on that cross, the veil was torn from top to bottom, meaning that his spirit can be with us at any time. You don't have to go to a little box and have a man pray for you. You can do it. You're, you're, you're in the family of, 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 of God. You might, not, you might not have a good relationship with your family. You might not talk to your parents. You might not talk to your siblings. You have a family here. Yes. And we love you. If you need to borrow 10 bucks, ask Ronnie Patoka. Amen. <laughs> His wife said, no man. You're a co-heir with Christ. I don't have time to unwrap that. Y'all going to have to study that on your own. We have a heavenly home. We have hope of glory. We have purpose in life. We have peace that passes all understanding. Church, we should be overflowing with gratitude. 
for all the blessings that we have. Verse 8, beware, lest anyone cheat you or spoil you through their philosophy. Beware means be careful. Watch out. It's a warning. Watch out. Cheat you or spoil you. Ronnie, in the ESV, it says to be held captive because the Greek means to carry one off as a captive or slave. Be led away from the truth. Don't be held. It's a warning through philosophy an empty deceit or vain deceit. It, it means it's devoid of truth, delusions. In other words, this verse, uh, let me finish it, sorry. According to the tradition of man, according to the basic principles of the world, and not according to Christ. In other words, be sure that no one leads you away with false and deceptive, empty and worthless teaching that is only human. Which comes from the ruling spirits of this world. And if you don't know what the ruling spirits are, it's the devil and his demons. And not from Christ. I'm going to camp here for a sec. Because Paul wrote, he wrote this to combat the false teachers that had come to the Colossians. There were two false teachings. The first one was they were trying to pervert the gospel with additional requirements. So, you know, yeah, sure, you got to believe, but you also have to uphold the Jewish traditions. You also have to be circumcised. You have to follow the festivals. You have to follow the law. You have to do all these things, blah, blah, blah. And y'all, we, we, if, if you've been to Bay Meadows for a half a second, you know we talk about the gospel a lot here. Don't we? We talk about the gospel a lot. It's not just for the people who don't have it. We need it too. Ronnie talked about it a couple weeks ago. That we need to study it and know it so well, not only to keep us from, uh, from you know, being thankful and grateful, but also that we can spot a false gospel and not be carried off. Most of y'all know this, that I, I work in banking. I've been in banking for 18 years. Feels like a long time, right? Good night, 18 years. Uh, and a lot's changed in the banking industry over 18 years. But one thing that's remained constant is fraud. There's a lot of fraud. <clears throat> and one of the most basic types of fraud is counterfeit money. Uh, we, we've all had our experiences, I think, with counterfeit money. And, and even that's changed. It's, it's become more advanced over time. And there's some really good ones. And when I started... In banking, we had to have really, really strong uh, study in order to figure out the real from the counterfeit. We studied what the real currency looked like. I mean, we studied a lot of what it looked like: uh, the, the security features, the, the color shifting ink, the strip down the middle. When you hold it up, you see the portrait, right? All those things. And we were tested on what face was on each bill. Don't do that to me now. It's been 18 years. But we had a test on who was on each bill. So we knew what it looked like and we knew what it felt like. How real currency feels different than the counterfeit. But our focus was to learn and know the real one so well that the fake would be easy to find. See, part of the reason we study the gospel and the word of God so much is so we can see those fake counterfeit gospels when they try to come into our church. It's easy to spot it if you know the real. How? Because we know the real. 
We know what it looks like. We know what it feels like. So much so that the fake, even if it's a good one, is easy to spot. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, came to this earth as fully God and fully man. He lived a perfect life. He never sinned one time. And he came on a rescue mission to save all of mankind. Why? Because we were all born with sin nature. There is none righteous, no, not one. And because of our sin, we are separated from God in our rebellion, and our sin has to be paid for. It has to be judged by a just God. And God knew we could not be perfect, and we couldn't pay this debt on our own. So Jesus came, was nailed to a cross to present himself as the Lamb of God to endure the punishment and judgment for all of our sins. He died. He was put in a borrowed tomb, and he rose from the grave three days later. He defeated death, hell, and sin. And after 40 days, he ascended back into heaven to sit at the right hand of the Father, preparing a place for us. And if you believe that Jesus is the Son of God, that he died and rose again, and somehow that counted for you, you can be saved. We admit our sin, we repent, we follow after Jesus, we believe, and we have faith in and on him. We surrender to him as Lord and Savior. And that's the gospel. That's the gospel. Reconciling mankind to God through the blood of Jesus Christ. It's not about having your best life now and naming it and claiming it like the fake counterfeit prosperity gospel. It's not about signs and wonders and secret divine revelation like the new apostolic reformation. It's not about social injustices and race relations like the fake social justice gospel. It's all about the good news that through Jesus we can be made right with God. It's all about him. Another teaching that had made its way to the Colossians was Gnosticism. Gnosticism. They taught that spirit is entirely good and matter is entirely evil. And because of that, you could do anything you wanted with your, with your body because you weren't breaking God's law. Because your spirit was fine. It didn't matter what you did with your body. Essentially eliminating sin and the need for atonement. They taught that salvation is found in a special knowledge and not faith in Christ. That Christ's divinity and nature was assaulted. They taught that Jesus was just a man. And when he was baptized, the deity entered him and before he died, it left him. You might think to yourself, how can people believe this? It seems so off the wall. How can people be, fall for that? Well, I'm here to tell you that this is still alive and thriving today. In fact, it's made its way into evangelical churches across our nation. It is extremely popular on social media. It is accepted and welcomed by our culture and celebrities. It's on the bookshelf at Christian bookstores, and it disguises itself as Christian because it uses the word Christian in its title. Modern-day Gnosticism is progressive Christianity. It used to be called liberal Christianity. Now it's called progressive and I really don't think we should call it progressive Christianity. We should call it progress, uh, progress, progressive culturalism. And I'll explain that in just a second. The progressives assault the word of God. To them, the Bible is not an error. In fact, it's full of errors because man has wrote and changed it through the religions. One of the progressives' biggest churches in Nashville preach, believe, and spread all over social media that the Bible isn't the word of God. 
that it's not self-interpreting, that you don't get your answers there, and that it's not inerrant or infallible. Their pastor is quoted as saying, there is stuff in the Bible that I, I think really goes against the character of God. What? What? <clears throat> Let's see. Questioning God's word. Huh. Wasn't that what the devil did with Eve in the garden? Let's think about that. Didn't he call into question what God really said with what he probably meant? And made Eve question God's word as infallible? Think about it. Is that not the original? Is that not what happened? Now counter that with what Psalm says about meditating on God's word and Jesus telling us to do it. Rooted, built up, established. And here's a side note. I saw one of those little progressive... Be careful, don't be rude. Okay. I saw one of those progressive pastors get, tell us about this story in Genesis about Eve and the serpent and Adam. And the way he told the story is that God was the bad guy. Because God didn't want them to have this knowledge. He was afraid of that. And the devil was the good guy. Because he helped them come to this secret knowledge. Is that not Gnosticism? <laughs> the progressives, now that, now, now that you're questioning the word of God and everything you've been taught, they encourage you to start your deconstruction. The reason I'm talking about this is for these students who are going into college next year. And for everyone here, before you pick up a book written by somebody, you need to find out what they believe. Progressives start their deconstruction. This is a key word in doctrine for them. Deconstruction is when you take everything you've been taught, all of your beliefs, and you begin to question them. You try to disprove them in order to tear down all that you thought and knew. And then you rebuild based on your feelings. You, based on your emotions and your experiences and whatever truth is true to you. Remember back in verse 7 when we said just as you were taught? They want you to forget that. This teaches people to forgive and demolish what they were taught. Completely turn away from the traditional Christianity and embrace an ideology that just feels really good. Progressives teach that there are many ways to God. They teach all religions are alternate pathways to connect with a universal Christ. Jesus in the Bible was just a man who attained Christ consciousness. He is not the only way to be made right with God because all paths lead to God. Sound Gnostic to you? They are denying the deity of Jesus. And the godfather of the progressives is this guy named Richard Rohr, who, number one, he's a friend of Oprah, which is the first sign there's a problem. Okay? <clears throat> And he teaches the concept of a universal Christ, that God is everywhere, and to be a Christian means to see Christ in everything, or the sacred. And as the Gnostics, progressives have no problem with breaking God's law, especially with their bodies. Why? Because there's no original sin. There's no need for an atonement. There is no atonement needed. They call our view of Jesus' atonement on the cross as cosmic child abuse. They like to call it that. That God putting the punishment for man's sin on Jesus. Why? Because to them there's no sin in the Bible. To them the only sin is believing the Bible. 
And the reason that I call them progressive culturalism is because they go with the flow of the culture in reference to their behaviors and beliefs. Whether it's critical race theory, intersectionality, wokeness, LGBTQIA, uh, you know, pro-choice, Marxist, socialist, and canceling all of math and Dr. Seuss, they, they support that. They see no problem with that. Because man's philosophy and culture says to them what their belief system is. And I read again, verse 8. See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit according to the human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. Christian. If you're a Christian, church member, student, be careful what you read. Be careful who you listen to. Be careful what studies you complete. Know the truth of Scripture. Be rooted, built up, and established. And do your homework. Verse 9. For in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. This completely shuts down the Gnostics and the progressives. In other words, all of God lives fully in Christ. Not that he attained Godhood or Christ consciousness, but because he is God. Paul already addressed this in earlier Colossians 1 when he says he's the image of the invisible God. Uh, it says that in, in, in 19, for it pleased the Father that in him all the fullness should dwell. John 1.1, 1, 1, in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God and the Word was God. Not the Word was a God or the Word attained Godhood, but he was God. In verse 10, this is going to wrap it up. And for you, excuse me, and you are complete in him who is the head of all principality and power. That word complete means filled to the fullest, liberally supplied, nothing wanting, fulfilled. That's what that means, that we are fulfilled in Christ, who is the ruler or supreme over every ruler and power. Hashtag life goal, be full of Jesus, our sovereign Savior. Amen. Amen. Be full of Jesus. And if you've never come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, you will constantly be searching for something. Constantly to fill that empty feeling inside of you. Why? Because we are image bearers of God. And it says that he set eternity in our hearts. And only something eternal can satisfy that void. We try to fill it with all kinds of stuff, right? Money. Jobs. Homes, children, popularity, relationships. But none of it will ever complete you. It will never complete you because it wasn't meant to. Only God can do that. We find our purpose, our peace, and our life in Jesus Christ. So the point of today is this. Our life goal, our life goal, be rooted, built up, and established in Jesus Christ, our sovereign Savior. Be rooted, built up, and established in Jesus Christ, our sovereign Savior. I'm going to ask the band and the musicians and the singers to come up as we wrap up the service. And we want to give you an opportunity. If you have never come to that point in your life where you have said, you know what? I, uh, I've never, ever, ever asked Jesus to forgive me my sin. 
I've never come to that point where I realized that I was a sinner. And maybe you're here, maybe you're hearing this for the first time, and you're like, what does all this stuff mean? Well, we want to tell you what that means. Our pastor will be up front. Some other folks will be up here, some, some men, some ladies. And we want to give you the opportunity to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior today. Don't wait. Don't wait. Don't try to fill it. Don't try to fill that void in you with a bunch of stuff because none of it will ever work. None of it. Jesus is the only one who can. Jesus is it. Or maybe you're here and, and, and you've, you, at one point you did that. You, you came to that saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. And maybe you've been kind of slipping away. And you, you got away from the Lord. You got away from the Lord. And, and that entitlement started to seep in. And you don't feel as thankful as you should be. Maybe you need to come up here and just ask for forgiveness. Maybe you just need to, to get right. But I know one thing. All of us have someone in our life. All of us have someone in our life. That is not saved. All of us. And what a great time to come and pray for that person. What a great time to come and pray for an opportunity to share the gospel. What a great time for them to, to pray that God starts, Holy Spirit starts working in their heart and giving you the opportunity to share the gospel with them. And what a great time to grab one of these graduates. And bring them down to the altar and pray God's protection over them. Not only a graduate, grab any of these young people. This is what I'm talking about. It is coming at them full speed. It is coming at them, and it, 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 there's no, it, it's a full lot of salt on our young people. Why? Because if they get them while they're young, it's way easier when they get older. You need to pray for these young people. And this is the time of our service where we respond. We respond to the gospel. You come and you, you ask Jesus into your heart. You come and you pray for someone. We're going to sing a song. You can respond in your prayer. In a second, we're going to take up an offering. You respond by giving your first and your best to the preeminent God because he gave his first and his best for us. So let's stand to our feet. Let's stand to our feet. We're going to pray. I'm going to pray. I'm going to take out this little microphone thing. And we're going to be up here. If you want to pray, come on up here. If you want to pray for someone, come on up here. If you want to grab one of these young people and just pray for God's protection over them, come do that now. Dearly Father, we just come to you. We thank you so much for your goodness and your grace. We thank you for the truth of Scripture. We thank you that we can come and that we can come into this, this church, into this building. We can worship you freely. We thank you so much that we have, have been reconciled to you through what Jesus did on the cross for us. And God, I pray for our church. That God, that you will stir up something in us, God, that we will go out and that more and more and more and more people will go out with us on every Saturday to tell people about the good news of Jesus Christ. I pray you be with each person here as they have someone on their heart they're thinking about right now that, 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 they have, that they've either gone away from the church or they've never been and they're praying for them so bad right now. I pray, God, that you will give them the strength to, to come up here and pray for those people. And God, we pray for protection over our students. God, they will not get wrapped up in, in this culture and in this 
cultural Christianity and this progressiveness and God that they will stay true to the truth of scripture the tradition of the church and that they will be rooted and grounded and built up in their faith in Jesus Christ God do what only you can do right now because it's all about you in Jesus name we pray Amen Amen